back to the Seen and Not Heard podcast, the podcast that is your weekly dirty little secret, which is fine by me, as long as you keep it. I'm Melrose Michaels, your host, and this is season three, episode nine. Today's guest is someone super dear to my heart. I came across her on Twitter and followed her after realizing she had written a best-selling book in the space, which is something that I too have always wanted to do myself. As fate would have it, last year in 2019, I met Amberly Rothfield in person at an Exotica, New Jersey convention, and we became best friends. I think when models do something new that expands our community and the opportunities that models have within it, it needs to be brought to the forefront. So today we are talking with Amberly Rothfield about how she rewrote her own story. Welcome, Amberly Rothfield. Welcome, Amberly, to the Seen and Not Heard podcast. I'm super excited to have you. We've been talking a little bit for a while now about you coming on, and it's good to finally have you on the show. Good things come to those who wait. Yes. Isn't that true? <laughs> isn't that true? Um, I guess so. Maybe we should start by having you kind of introduce yourself to the people listening who might not be as familiar with you as I am or the models in the world are. Sure, sure. Um, so, uh, Hi, um, Amberly Rothfield. I've been in the adult industry for, um, actually I found out it's more than 15 years because I can't do math, but <laughs> minimum 15 years at this point. Um, and I started off as a creator doing mainly phone sex, audio and clips, mm-hmm. webcam, and I accidentally morphed into doing more marketing consultative stuff, but I also write, um, Quite, quite a few books. I, I, one of my wife, I, we were watching Alexander Hamilton and there's a line where they're like, why do you write like you're running out of time? I felt called out because I was literally working on a Personally book at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there typing, watching Google Plus and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> fine. I could put it down for a minute. It's fine. But yeah. So I also write about um, marketing as well as different fetishes in the industry. So yes. Hi. That was long-winded. I'm sorry. Yes, no, that's perfect. Because I want, I want people to get a really good understanding for who you are, because I feel like you're very unique in our community. Um, not just for the fact that you started and and like the phone sex, maybe not so more audio, not so visual, and then kind of, you know, as time went on, evolved into these other spaces. And then obviously, I do want to focus uh, a little bit further in the podcast on your writing, because I think that's super powerful and empowering and important for models to know that we can do things like that. Um, so I guess let me start with the phone sex thing because I find that super interesting because it's a category and like a niche I've never kind of gotten into. Um, so how did you end up doing that? What is the little backstory? Because that always is so interesting to me. Um, I, I hate the cliche-ness of it. Um, I was homeless and um, couch surfing my senior year of high school because my family life was terrible. And I saw an ad for um, voice at, for adult voice actresses. And I can go into different accents and stuff like that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, but it, that's not what it was. It was for phone sex. So yeah. uh, I still took them up on the job because it meant I didn't have to travel. I could do it any time rather than having like a set schedule. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought I'd just do it until 
had a place to live and I'd be fine. And I was still making like four to five times more than my peers. So I couldn't justify leaving it. Then I fell in love with it because I got to connect with people and be somebody different. And when you're homeless, it's kind of nice to pretend you're someone different. So yeah, that that sounds sad. No, no, you know what? It's, It's funny you say that because there's a period in my life, like where we were between housing situations, we got, we got foreclosed on at one time. And then also we got um, kicked out of our apartment at one time. So for me, I, that, that's really relatable for me um, using kind of like hardship to kind of springboard into something new and exciting that can kind of totally transform your life. Um, when you were in the phone sex industry, was there any kind of tipping point where, you know, yeah, you're making decent money and you know, your life's starting to come together to the way you want it. What made that decision like, I think I can, you know, explore this more, maybe do cams, maybe do something else. What, how did that happen? Oh, sure. So um, I did do stippling vanilla jobs throughout my career in adult. Um, Every once in a while, you're just like, maybe I should go be a normal person. (laughs) And then you realize, no, (laughs) you're quite happy working for yourself. Um, So I remember um, getting my apartment, Mm -hmm. moving in furnishing it for like the first time in my life not because when I first moved in I was sleeping on the floor um no shame uh and what after I felt like I was stable I was like I'm gonna go get me a real job (laughs) and I didn't like it I didn't like having a boss I had this thing against not being able to like if I'm sick I should be able to call out Mm um yeah so not that's not to say I'm not a pleasant person to work with I they, they loved me I hated it So I went back to doing um, phone sex and I was like, well, if I'm going to do this as a career, like what else can I do? Mm -hmm. And that's when I found um, my first campsite was I'm live and I found clips for sale Mm -hmm. and I started um, streaming, but I said, well, I'll just stream while I'm on night flirt. And then when I get a phone call, I'll just log out and log back on. Also not a good way to stream to constantly just log on. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What was I thinking? It's a learning curve. (laughs) exactly but that's also where like I learned to be more myself rather than try to be the sex kitten that I Mm -hmm. will never be I just like had the most chill streams ever where I'm just eating potato chips and I was like yeah like I have some clips if you guys want to go buy them that's Mm -hmm. cool and like I found that I could people it was the first time in my life people like liked me for me so that's off the topic of the question you asked, but yeah. So that's, um, that was about maybe two years in, but it made me want to explore more because I figured if I'm not built to have a nine to five, which no shame to those who have nine to fives, yeah. someone has to do it. I'm thankful for everyone who does. Yeah. Um, but it just, it, it was, it didn't make me happy. And I guess the adult industry made me happy. I needed to give everything the good college try before um finding where to make sure i was where i wanted to be yeah that's sorry also long-winded no no (laughs) that's that's exactly what like it's very i wanted to be a conversation so in feel free to go off on tangents or even ask me things but when i uh first got into cam i had done nothing before that as well and then i moved into my apartment and was camming literally with my computer on a box and no furniture in the house and just like didn't log off till I made my rent. So it's very, we have a lot of similar stories. Um, in terms of kind of what you're saying, like being built to that nine to five, I think it's really important. And I always try to emphasize this on my podcast and just in conversations, but people don't take sex workers 
seriously as entrepreneurs. And that makes me so mad because there's so much that goes into the work that we do. And it's not just, you know, selling needs online. There's so much marketing behind it, which is where me and you have so much in common. So in terms of how that evolved into this marketing and then into the books, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so I'm a lot different than the typical model because I'm bigger and, um, race has plays a factor in how you market yourself. So I could never market myself the way traditional models did. Also, my boobs are out there, but I've never gotten naked, not against it. I just, I don't know why I never really went there. I just, I was kind of, it's maybe it's that whole, once you go there, you can't go back. So I was making enough money. I was like, eh, I'll do it if I have to never had. Not that those that, decide to do it from the jump or wrong it's this was just my path that's well, I hear yeah. You. I hear you. so <laughs> thank god for those who do take their clothes off um but um and i mean that um but yeah so i always had to market myself differently and especially since i did mainly audio because starting in what was it i started in 2005 technically well with video I started in 2007 ish okay. video is not what it was now no and even back then it looked grainy. Like in that moment, I was like, this looks like garbage. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put this out there and it ah, screw it. And I just went back to audio. Um, So I, and I do do some video stuff, but I do mainly audio. So anyways, all that to say, because I made stuff that's so diametrically different than everybody else, Mm -hmm. I had to find different paths in order to put it out there. And, um, it meant that I didn't get to go to stripper web or Amber cutie forums to see how other people were marketing. I started following the paths of pod early podcast, the ones that we like made fun of mm-hmm. um, where we're like, what are you doing? No one's going to listen to yeah. your podcast. Yeah. yeah. I started following the paths of what they're doing. Cause I was like, well, if they're doing audio, I should be doing audio mm-hmm. or I should be following their um, marketing strategies. I followed the paths of early SoundCloud people and people on YouTube that were doing music. Okay. Well, I'm not doing music, but how are they getting their stuff out and internet radio? Mm-hmm. And I actually found a lot of places, for example, anybody listening on Apple. Well, I, they just recently split Apple iTunes with mm-hmm. podcasts and music, but really on the podcast side, you can say whatever the hell you want. Yeah. You could take your videos if you're a video creator and put your little trailers, just the audio portion up on there. Um, anchor.fm is a great yep. way to do that. Um, so yeah, anywho, that's, I started doing that and I found because there was no competition, I was able to rank higher, get more traffic, get more people finding me. And really those audiences, because they, there's very little porn in those areas were like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Someone's here. This is great. Um, and similar with, um, Amazon. So I write erotica and I also write, um, um, I also write, books about um, teaching neurodivergent people and and children and whatnot too under my real name. Um, But uh, I found that putting my content that is about the different niches that I cater to on Amazon, because in the Kindle version, you can actually put links and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was able to link back to my websites and I was able to get traffic. And again, places where people weren't as competitive. So my whole marketing strategy has always been figure out where people are not and go there because 
I can't compete with you over here, but if I'm over here, then I can. I think a lot of models don't consider the marketing strategy when, especially when you are different or outside the typical niche or outside the vanilla, the main mainstream porn, white girl, skinny white girl, because that's what it is. So when you really look at, okay, how can I do this? And this is more important now than ever to somehow find a way to market your, you know, adult alternative content in a mainstream way, just because, you know, the lines are getting more blurry as this industry is growing, especially right now with the whole OnlyFans trend and all these like mainstream influencers hopping onto fan sites. Like it's very, it's very important also too, because our we're constantly discriminated against. So if your social media goes down and now no one can find your content, your whole business is put on pause or in ruin. So I think it's important that you can talk about that and teach that even to models coming up because there's so many new people getting in the space right now due to COVID and all of these things. I think it's really important that models know there's a huge variety of ways to market. There's a huge, you know, variety of niches to even play in and kind of, you know, see if that's your thing or explore. So I think it's important. I think what you've done within the industry, especially in marketing terms, has made a huge difference. I, th- I know I found you on Twitter um, marketing your book, the phone sex book, how to make $10,000 in the yeah. month doing phone sex. So I wanted to talk about that because that's actually how I came across you before I met you at Exotica. So what, you know, paved the way for that book? Because that was super exciting for me. Yeah, um, that book was an accident. <laughs> really? No, it really was. Um, and this is going to sound like I'm bragging, but I, I don't, I still can't believe it. Um, I was number one on a site called um, Night Flirt for five years. And it was before they brought back in featuring. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't, you didn't pay for your placement. Um, it's, it's one of the few sites where you can pay for your placement now. Um, but it was before you could pay for your placement. And I just, day in, day out, I was number one, basically until I started having kids. And then I took a whole bunch of time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started getting models asking me, how are you always up there? What are you doing? And I've always been very like transparent. There's like next to nothing I hold back. And they were shocked by the answers I would give them. They'd be like, wow, you just kind of gave me the farm. And I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> so, um, but I would get the same questions over and over and over again, which I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to happen, but I started saving the question and then the answer in um, Evernote. Okay. And I would just copy and paste it because I'm lazy. Well, um, <laughs> time is money. So. Exactly. And after like, um, like a year or two, I looked through it and it was 250 pages. So I was like, I should probably format this um, and then just put it out on the internet. And I put it out for free because I didn't think anyone was going to like listen to it Mm -hmm. or read it or whatever. Like a couple of people on Night Flirt, Gucci, awesome. Mm -hmm. So I put it on the Amber Cutie and the Stripper Web forums. Because even though I say like I couldn't follow their marketing stuff, it's because I was so niche. Mm There's still great forums to be on. Yeah. So I put it there and like overnight I had close to 10,000 downloads and I had so many people in the DMs sorry wake up to like five bazillion emails I was so upset like not upset bad but like man I have to delete all this (laughs) so um um like people and I and I wouldn't check the thread because I was like how did this thread blow up like this Mm -hmm. um and I had all these models saying you should put it on Amazon I want to buy this and I'm like you just got it free yeah 
okay, fine. So I went to Fiverr and I got the ugliest cover you've ever seen created. Um, I just paid five bucks, said, do what you want, dude. Here's a picture of me. Cool. And put it up on Amazon and it kept selling like, like hundreds and hundreds of copies a day. Um, it has slowed down since then, thank goodness. Um, but it is the highest reviewed marketing book in our about our industry out there. I don't know how that happened, but it's a thing. But it is still free. I do still give out free digital copies, but it still sells like insanely well, which blows my mind. So it was a complete accident. I didn't think anybody would ever read it. That's amazing. And I'm sure I've obviously provided a ton of value. That's why I did so well. So I'm not surprised by that. That's what happened. Um, okay. So, and then after the success of that book, did that kind of make you start to think like, okay, there's obviously a need for education. There's a need for these kinds of books to be out there in our community or. I, I, I again, went into more accidents. Um, kind of, I, the whole thing with marketing for, um, porn models, I haven't like, I, I have not had a single thing that I've done that I thought, let me just do this. Uh, it's always something where someone's like, you should do this. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I do it. And it works. Um, some people read that and then they had follow-up questions and I was answering all those. And then I remember one day, uh, about three or four months after it was released, a model came to me and she's like, I'll pay you to sit down with you for an hour. And I was like, okay. And she's like, how much? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to pay me? And she's like 50 bucks. And I was like, cool. Yeah. So I started doing consultations with her. Then she went and told other people. And soon I had to create a Calendly. And then I create, yeah, it all was an accident. <laughs> it was funny too, because I always feel like, because models have come to me for advice randomly at times, but models are always so forward, like, I'll pay you for your time. Like they're very respectful because they know yes. our time is our business which is not the case for like the average person. Like I have mainstream, like vanilla nine to five friends who are like, Hey, I was thinking about OnlyFans. Can you like come visit me this weekend? Go over with me. I'm like, this is my business. Like this is a different thing. <laughs> um, right. Exactly. Yeah, models, models are always so like, yeah, I'll pay for your time. You know, we could do a Skype or a zoom or something. It's so funny. Um, it, no, it's true. It is. Um, I, I work with YouTubers and streamers as well. And Twitch streamers and, no, everyone that wants to inquire about services, they're just like, yeah, like, I just, can you look at my YouTube channel and tell me what, like, I should be doing? I'm like, you want to book a consultation? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting the time from anything. That's yeah. That's yeah. interesting, because YouTube is almost, it's very similar to what we do, so you'd think that that would kind of transfer over, huh? You would think, but no, I think it's because we're hyper aware like YouTube, like what they do is free. Well, they're That's making true. free content and they get paid for it in views. Yeah, so they don't. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And same with Twitch streamers. Like they're playing a game for free and they're hoping someone subscribes to their personality. Um, so I guess they don't see it. Whereas us, we're like, okay, so I'm going to stream for this amount of hours. I need to make this amount of money. Like, I guess because it's more personal in order to yeah. get to the payout. I don't know. Yeah. And also we are the, like the subject of the stream, whereas them, it's the game, it's the content. It's it's not themselves typically. Yeah. Like we don't have the, the help in the 
stream, which even the people that do IRL stuff, like you're walking around or you can go, we are, we are naked quite literally. (laughs) We are the ones that are right there. We have to, it has to be more of a personal connection, whereas you can bring in other things to create Mm -hmm. that connection in in Twitch streams and whatnot. Anywho, that's yeah. me ranting about Twitch streams. No, that, that makes sense though. Do you ever yeah. feel, because I kind of feel like this sometimes too, because people ask me all the time, like, how come you don't make boy girl content? And that's just one thing that I've never crossed that boundary because you can never undo it, like you said. Mm-hmm. And also I kind of feel like then there's something for me to always go to because I haven't done it yet. And so, Same. yeah. One day I might get naked. Yeah, but. maybe, maybe, who knows? Keep watching. <laughs> like it's kind of because I get asked that question so often even from other models but and actually I don't see anything wrong with it I so fully support people do I'm married I could easily do that my my husband he'd be completely open for it but it's just something I kind of put off because I've done well enough for you know my standard of living or my businesses whatever without having to do it so I don't see a need um and I feel like kind of that's how you look at it but do you ever feel strange because I know I feel strange when people either label me as porn star or label me as an, that I'm porn, even though I do content with other women, I still don't feel like I'm in that, like I'm undeserving. I feel undeserving of that title. Do you I would, that? I, I think the definition of porn star has greatly morphed. Yeah, true. True. Like when I started, it was people like Tori Black, who mm-hmm. went on professional sets, hair, makeup, the nines, and... Even even some of the people who only did like um, girl 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 stuff or even just solo stuff were still considered porn stars mm-hmm. so long as they did like a prolific amount of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, that definition of porn, the definition of porn itself has shifted. True. Therefore, the definition of porn star has shifted. If you ask me, mm-hmm. like we say, this person is this. Good example. Philip DeFranco is the star of the Philip DeFranco show. True. Uh, actually, even ha- we call it the Philip DeFranco show. Yeah, his show. But prior to, you know, the 2000s, prior to when YouTube became really, really ubiquitous across the globe, we never would have said somebody with the internet. Sure. Like, yeah, exactly. We never would have called that a show. So I think just as that definition of like what an actual star, like in mainstream has shifted and what shows have shifted. I think the term porn has shifted. Therefore, the term porn star shifts. I would say you're absolutely a star. You're a well-known, well-established person. You're making a career in here. You're you're no less a if you were a SoundCloud rapper, you're no less of a rapper than somebody who got on a label a record label. I would so want to be a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. In another life. <laughs> I have no, wait, do you have bars? Can um, you drop the bars? Not currently, no. <laughs> I'm going to openly disappoint everyone listening. Um, no, but yeah, and I think you're right. I feel like it's kind of become such a spectrum because bef- when I started in 2011, I looked at porn stars like, you know, they're going to a set. They're at a set with producers and it's a whole thing and it's like a 14 hour day, something crazy. And yeah. so like, I, I would always shy to like, I'm a cam girl. It's a different thing we don't we don't mix those niches back then but now it's such a blurred line especially with the fan sites launching it's definitely become very I, 
I, I changed my my mind on actually what changed my mind on it was when I found that some cam girls make more money than porn stars. Oh yeah. Most so yeah, so so to tell this person who has a hundred, two hundred thousand followers and really good engagement that they're not a star to me is actually more dismissive of yeah. what they've done than um not not that money define defines you necessarily, but if that I say if that person wants to say they're a porn star, they're a porn star. But to me, the better, the more we all come together under, I don't care what the term is, we could call ourselves squiggly dues, but we all, the more we come together under one term, that means that there's more of us, which means we can go fight stuff like, I don't know, Sesta Foster. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a whole thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's about unification. So if like people want to call themselves a porn star, I think they should, but I would say if you feel like you are undeserving, no, you are, oh, sorry, I hit my mic all the time. Um, I feel like if you feel like you're undeserving, you are definitely deserving because like, what, what, what is a star much anymore? Yeah. If you're a star on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an internet person. I don't know. I, I think too, like, because like how you mentioned too, like cam girls would out earn most porn stars. Porn stars were getting paid per scene and it was a very different experience than what like webcam was. So that, that definitely puts perspective on it. And too, even when it comes to terms, like terminology, like there's such a a mixed emotion when it comes to the term sex work. Like some cam girls don't want to be called sex workers and it's this whole thing and I get it. And whatever you want to define yourself as label wise, like that's up to you personally. Yeah. And as long as people respect that, that's, that's the end of that story. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting though, because to watch how things have evolved and changed has been really cool. Um, in terms of your books, because I want to talk about this more, can yes. you let us know what are the other books that you've covered in the sex work space or the community? Sure. <laughs> um, I, w- w- the recent, most recent one, which was somehow, like it hit the best, it hit best uh, pre-release and then bestsellers list, which was uh, 90 Days in Paid, where um, the, the first book, a lot of people said, like, I just don't know where you gave me a lot to do, but I don't know exactly where I am to start. So I decided to make a 90 day cause it takes 90 days to develop habits. Mm-hmm. So every day you get a new thing to do and it adds on to what the previous days were. Okay. So, um, including rest because nice. that's like something that. that I don't do. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so every day is like a, like a, a new little task and it starts with a quote from a sex worker. I solicited on Twitter, um, a bunch of quotes, like, like what's the stuff that gets you motivated, whatnot. And I added that in there. So and mm-hmm. along with the person's Twitter handle, so you can go find them. That's um, but yeah, so uh, 90 Days in Paid, and then there's also uh, Financial Domination, uh, Online Mistresses, uh, Sorted Tales, but that one's about to be re-released. We never actually made the physical copy of it because the first digital copy got screwed up when it was uploading, and then mm-hmm. it got stuck, but Amazon figured out how to fix it, so nice. I'm going to be re-releasing it with even more content soon. Awesome. Okay, so... Yay. When it comes to 90 days in paid, because they're so, that's like a perfect release for this time in society with so many people coming into the space, which is really, I mean, you couldn't have timed that better. That's awesome. I, um, it was already in the works. I felt like, I was like, do I drop it? People are going to think I did this on purpose. 
Yes. No, it's yeah, <laughs> no, so hard to, you feel torn on that too, because it's like, I don't want to profit off the pandemic, but there's so many people home on the computers right, right now. It's like, uh, I hear you. Um, but have you, what has the feedback been on 90 days in paid? What is like, what are models saying? What, what were some things that really stuck with you that girls have said or guys have said? It, it has been in, nope. Nope, I said you weren't going to get me to cry today, Miss Michaels. <laughs> Damn it. Um, it's been really good. Um, I didn't think it would be, I thought it would be like basically the sophomore book that we put out and it would just, no. <laughs> um, we, people, models keep telling me like, they're like, it's made me be structured. Like I wake up every day thinking I have to get, and it's just one task a day. Mm -hmm. And then I explain not just like how to do it, but why you're doing it and how this is going to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, so they tell me they're like, yeah, it's nice to have, um, a, the why I need to get it done. Um, but also what I can expect, realistic expectations of how this is going to help me in the future. For example, uh, I'm big on knowing your business numbers. I know my customer attrition rates. I know how many customers I lose every month. I also know how many are going to return back to me. Um, so I help the figure out what, what those rates are and how to apply it to your business so that, you know, if you're used to having a hundred, if it takes a hundred only fans or fans period on any site to keep you going, and you know you're going to lose 20. Okay, we'll go out and get 30 because yeah. then you're going to be growing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, how do you develop a plan to get those 30? Because it's nice to tell you you need 30, but yeah. where are they going <laughs> to come from? Um, so, yeah, just the models telling you that it's allowed them to apply structure. It's not just here's a bunch of information of what you could be doing, but rather here's the information and here's how to do it so it's bite-sized and it doesn't feel like – because marketing and learning marketing business skills, you know this all too well. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a um, lot. And it, yeah, it's a new language really. It, 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 it can make it feel like it's impossible to learn it. Yeah. I would say, but, but if you do it in bite-sized chunks, it's easier to, to digest and actually apply to your daily routine to where you're not even thinking about it. You're just going through the motions, which makes it easier to get it knocked out. So yeah, definitely. It's been but, great feedback. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, when it, you say like marketing is a, its own language, that's completely true and it could not be more accurate. But then on top of that, it's also always changing. Like when we first started, we didn't have Instagram the way people do now. Or, you know, yeah, there's, Twitter was kind of always our, our safe space, but like the Patreons of the world didn't exist. The fan centers, the only fans, that wasn't a thing. Um, yeah. In my early career, I launched a fan site when I was doing well, top 20 on MFC, and my fan site tanked. Like, it was good for one month and then nothing. So, yeah. So, it's also, like, market timing. So, if you're not familiar or educated on business or marketing in that aspect, it's like, okay, market timing for a fan site back then was super shitty. But now, it's, like, all the rage and everyone's accepting of the idea and doesn't have that obstacle of having a subscription to overcome because they're they're open to the idea now so mm -hmm. I think that uh having a business and marketing strategy or even like like your books to outline some of that stuff that isn't common knowledge to people not well versed in marketing that's going to help set up these you know sex work entrepreneurs to take their business more seriously and see real success which is obviously what everyone wants at the end of the day 
um, anyway. So that's, it's really exciting. And it's powerful that you've done this in this space because even though we're in a time where we are seeing a shift of sex work being able to be mainstream, we see, you know, big stars in the industry, the Riley Rees, Lana Rhodes also get like brand deals with Fashion Nova and things like that, which is completely unheard of for girls like us. Yeah. Um, but now to introduce to the idea like, oh, you guys can write books, like you guys can do this. Like, I think it's really important because a lot of the models, especially girls like us who've been in the industry in a while, might still have that in their head. Like, oh, you can't do that. You're just, you're just in porn. Like you can't branch out. They're not going to accept you there. Um, but I think times are changing. What do you think? No, I think time 100%. I mean, even when, because uh, I, I considered doing consulting-ish uh, seven years ago, and I had models losing their minds on me. Like, no, you shouldn't do that. You're taking advantage of sex workers. But I've always thought if you're a real industry, then there has to be like educators and whatnot. And now we're getting where we're seeing more educators. You know, we've got... Um, Justine Cross, we have um, Lola Davina, we have uh, Princess Kali, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, more and more educators are coming forward. And same thing, and I 100% believe that we get into, um, I call it dinosaur mentality. And this is me yelling at myself, not at anybody else. Uh, there's a lot of moments I'm like, you can't do that. You're mm -hmm. not supposed to do that. And I have to stop myself and think, okay, but it is 2020. Can we do this now? Is this something I couldn't do three years ago versus this is something we can do now? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I 100% what you said. I think it's that a lot of us stop ourselves. We don't think, yeah, we can write books. Um, I had someone that was surprised. They were like, you were in Business Insider. Business Insider writes about porn stars. I'm like, yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Betcha Time Magazine does too. Yeah. Um, Rolling Stone, Forbes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, just because we do dirty work doesn't mean we can't be in. I mean, Lance Hart was in GQ. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, like if you want it, you can go for it. I mean, Cardi B. Cardi B was a stripper. Mm -hmm. Cardi B is up there. <laughs> What's that? Channing Tatum, <laughs> also a stripper. What? Oh yeah, that's right, Magic Mike. <laughs> that's right. I forget. I forget about that one. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, in real life, before Magic Mike, he did like a stripping stunt, like in his real life before he ever became an actor. Yeah, was it? I thought was not Magic Mike based off of his? Oh, I don't know. Stripping? Maybe. I don't know. I think I don't it was. Know. That's. I'm great. probably wrong. Anyway, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but <laughs> shout out Channing Tatum yeah. if you're listening. There, there's, it, there used to be the stigma that like once you do porn of any kind, there's no going back. But honestly, yeah, actually the truth is there is no going back, but it doesn't, it's the same as being any other occupation yeah. and then going to do something else. You can absolutely, so I know sex workers who speak at Yale and at Harvard, they pay really well for that, by the way. That's amazing. Mm-hmm new goals. I want to, I want to get a Ted talk one day. That's also my giant goal board. I would love to do a I, Ted talk. I kind of, I, I kind of want to organize one. I've gone to enough Ted talks where I technically qualify to like organize one. I would love to do like Ted, TEDx. First you have to do Ted TEDx. Sex. Yeah. Ted sex. <gasps> yes. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Marketing skills are turning. Yeah. <laughs> Ted XXX. <laughs> Our own branch. <laughs> 
I bet they'd be willing to do it. They allow sex workers to talk on TED. Yeah, that'd be something really cool that I I hope gets put together because I feel like we're not given a whole lot of platform to be heard. We're more given platform to be seen because that's the nature of our business. So, and that's kind of what sprung the whole podcast, to be honest, is like, I want people to hear what I have to say and not necessarily see me. And then this went visual as well, but um it was a nice place to to voice my opinions and my thoughts and get good feedback and also build a female audience because I didn't really have that before I feel like um it's cool it's It's cool when I started getting a few more of a sex worker audience and whatnot I it was weird because like I used to be this person so I do mainly Fem dom type stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for years, people thought I was actually really mean. Yeah. And because, like, I was playing a character. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, like, I live in Bumblefuck Nowhere and I knit. Like, <laughs> and I'm terrified to even talk to the mail carrier. Like, I'm so mousy in real life. Um, it's so draining. Like, to, yeah, like people are like, oh, you're so good at speaking. No, you don't understand. Like, I will go to sleep for four hours and from anxiety and nervousness. It's weird. But, anywho, people thought I was really, really mean. But then when I like came out being myself and I showed, like, we, we raise meat rabbits. Oh, wow. And um, I, I showed myself playing with baby rabbits all day. People are like, wow, I didn't think you were like that. And I was like, this is me, not a character. Yeah. Hi, I'm a person. <laughs> That's true. That's interesting you said that. I, uh, when I kind of dipped my toes in the Findom world for a little bit, but I got, I got great reaction from fans, bad reaction from other Findom models because it's a very tight-knit community. And I like, I think there was, a, it was very trendy at the time to like dip your toe in Findom. And the girls were like, you know, you're not a real fandom. Like, you don't know what you're doing. This takes years of, like, work and research, which, to their credit, I'm sure it does. And I didn't even stick with it that long. I kind of felt like, okay, I'm an outsider. I'm always going to be an outsider. I'm going to step back. But I really like that form of content, especially as a woman, because it's like you don't get to be mean. Like, society makes you as a woman be polite and be, like, you know, appeasing and be small almost. So to, like, be strong and empowered, it's such a cool feeling. It was really cool. It's really complete opposite of who I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I think I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I can um, see that. That, that, that hurts my heart. That's one thing I never liked. I, I am a, I'm the redheaded stepchild black sheep of the femdom community. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been told many times I do everything wrong. <laughs> if you got fans Which, coming back, what does it matter? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Like I, I learned to very quickly to validate myself off of my fans, not off of, but that hurts my heart when I see people say that, because why are you pigeonholing what femdom is? Yeah. Like, I remember when like some of the first really well-known femdoms started like doing nudity, people were like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe you're getting naked. The real femdom doesn't get naked. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they have a Southern accent, but they do. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was one of the comments I got was like, well, you can't be a real Findom because they can just go buy your nude porn online. I was like, so it's a different, it's a different audience. Like, why can't I cater to both? It is. It's sad because the community can be clicky like that, but I wanted to be a part of that change. And where I'm at now with my career and the things I'm seeing, it's, it's not as bad as it used to be in my opinion. I think people have become way more open and way more, caring of other members in our community because we've we're all we have really like, yeah the, the day 
like I, I like to tell people there's some people I disagree with, but I've got to love you for if for no other reason you're one of us. Yeah. And there's not many of us. That's true. That's totally we have we, we have to be together. And I get I don't believe that, that we should I believe everything that we're doing is art. Um and I can't shame your art just because I don't get it. I don't get foot fetish. I'm sorry. I think feet are pretty stinking gross. <laughs> um I will never look at a foot fetish clip and be like, that was hot. <laughs> but if you do foot fetish stuff, like fucking power to you. I don't understand being able to be like, that's not the way you should be. I do blackmail clip, like blackmail fantasy, mm-hmm. nothing legal. I don't look good in orange. <laughs> um, no one's going to jail. But I'm not going to look at someone who does blackmail fantasy stuff and be like, you, you're yeah. doing it wrong. I might say that's going to send you to jail. Let's yeah, not. Be careful with this. <laughs> yeah. That's a different thing. <laughs> Let me give you an early referral to swap behind bars on yeah. that one. Um, that'll be the worst that I'll say to someone. I'm not yeah. going to. No, I've also, never got the judgy thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's also important to like keep each other safe, which is a big, especially with like new legislation coming down the line. That's the best. It's like, okay, all, your girl's doing date raffles. Like, gotta be careful now like stuff like that is changing it's changing what we can do within our career so I think it's important to be aware and like you said it is art and it's art's a very opinion based kind of thing so that kind of just is what it is but this was really good I'm really glad that you made time to come on and talk to me and my um, listeners about this Uh, is there anything you would like to promote before we wrap this up no 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 it's honestly it's been um, a pleasure I I adore you you are one of the most bubbliest true sweetest people and marketing genius out there that I've known you you really you it's after going through your stuff because I am a weirdo um (laughs) I was like so wonder like she's she's this successful she you're unlike me everything you do is not an accident um (laughs) the major kudos thank you I appreciate that uh, I, I wish I had successful accidents, but no, they're usually painful, like falling downstairs or something. Um, but yeah. um, where can people follow you? Your Twitter, your Instagram, all of that. Sure. Um, so my Twitter is Amberly, A-M-B-E-R-L-Y-P-S-O, like phone sex operator. Ah. I didn't think that through. Um, <laughs> and then my Instagram is Amberly owns you. Mm-hmm. I would also change that but we're kind of stuck with it now. Um, yeah. And then amberlyrothfield.com is the website. All right, love. It was so good talking to you and I can't wait to see what you come out with next. I am. Yay. Thank you. I appreciate you. Of course. I'll talk to you soon. I am super grateful for Amberly for coming on today's episode. Her story has so many parallels to my own and we've both been able to find unique successes within our own lanes. She's such a power player in our community and is leading the way for so many models to expand their careers outside the box that society has dubbed worthy of us. I can't wait to see what she writes next and what models will thank her from award stages in the future. You are forging paths for so many people, Amberly, even if on accident. I'm Melrose Michaels, and this has been season three, episode nine of the Seen and Not Heard podcast. Huge thank you this week to the educators in our community. Not only today's guest, Amberly Rothfield, but also Justine Cross, 
Princess Callie, and Lola Davina. Our community needs more educators and what you are doing is thankless work. Please know that I see you and I am grateful for what you have done as it is what moves our industry forward. Want to be an individual sponsor of the podcast? All you have to do is go to anchor.fm forward slash Melrose and click support the podcast to donate whatever amount per month to help fund more episodes like today's. Next week on the Seen and Not Heard podcast, I sit down with Jesse Sage to talk about all things phone sex in even more depth. I consider the phone sex niche of our industry one of the most intimate that there is as voice builds such an incredible connection that just can't be achieved through other mediums. But you and I both know that, don't we?